Hi guys, number two here from the UK, getting you to listen to the Sick and Wrong podcast. You stay safe now, guys. Be seeing you. They talk about the news And baby, no fisting, no everything No little tickle, your feet in the bed While you're tied up in bondage letters He's timing the host of the podcast And he's a total fucking jackass Good evening, welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon I'm Harrison. Harrison, how's uh, day 23 of self-quarantine? How do you know what day it is? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, mean, I just noticed people, have you seen those memes are like day 14, day I 23? I haven't been looking at shit. I, I just, I can't, you know. Are you like, keeping I, a I, log? I, yeah, I'm keeping a, a log. I'm keeping a trauma <laughs> log. Like Schlitzy. <laughs> here's um, trauma quarantine log yeah um no i don't know like all this there's only like a few people i i want to talk to remotely and i can't for some reason uh were they not available or uh, yeah 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 are you and, trying to like skype them or something or just because you could just call them you can't be calling everybody you know what i mean yeah i don't like to call anyone yeah um, I don't know, man. All this shit, it's getting, it's getting to me. It's really getting to me, man. Do you it's, have to, uh, are you on like, like doing uh, video conference meetings like all day at work? Yeah. Doesn't that suck? Not all day, but you know. Oh, I'm doing it all fucking day. day. Yeah. I'm doing it all day. And you know, the weirdest thing about it is I think people think it's really funny to get their like kids to come do stuff or say hi. I fucking hate oh that Oh my shit. God, it makes me yeah. so mad. I shut, yeah. I, I usually shut my camera off because I just don't want to see them, you know, like grimacing face when their fucking brood comes to the room and does a handstand or a little mm. dance before our fucking video conference. Man, it makes me mm. so mad. Yeah. And then there's another guy, this wiseacre that is on a, he's, but he's like, he's like an executive producer. So you kind of have to like, be cool with him loves to rip on me hmm. and so uh when he's he was like so my my one room you know where we usually do the podcast out of you know, that's right. where i'm usually in here it's the guest room and on the background there's like a dark wall i mean i don't know it's like navy blue and i have a a rosemary's baby poster and i have this cramps poster from like a show it's kind of mm -hmm. shaped like a skull mm -hmm. and that guy just will not stop commenting on it mm. And like you look at the background of his office and mm. it's like just like posters of Disney movies and shit, mm -hmm. like stupid right. shit like that. Yeah. Like, and yep. you know, and it's like, and, and like, I don't know, a bust of Iron Man or something. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, dude, look what you got. Look what you got what in does your he place. Say? What does he say? Like, what does he oh, say? He call, he, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, uh, there's, there's D in this Edgar Allan Poe room again. Right. Because I'll sometimes go in the other room. 
Like I'll go to my other room and he'll be like, oh, what are you in a record store now? What happened to the Edgar Allan Poe room? Yeah, I, I have a giant green screen behind me when I do it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I should do that. Because then people are, because then, because then I don't got to have any comments. I don't got to worry about like, oh no, there's a cabinet open or what, you know what I mean? It's yeah, too much. Because they're looking at you and they're judging you. Yeah. And they think I'm like some kind of goth weirdo. Yeah. Which I probably am. But mm. do you, uh, so if you have a green screen, do you put like different backgrounds on? Like no, I can't get Taj that Mahal. To work with blue jeans. Oh, <laughs> so I would. <laughs> like you're at the Taj Mahal, or I've done, it, I've, done it. I've gone into meetings with the face rig. Remember <laughs> that thing where I was an ape man or whatever? That yeah, I, I wish that. I should. I should try to do that. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I take it you're you know you're keeping yourself busy, trying not to go insane. Have you been uh, sending erotic messages to twenty four year old malcontents that you've met on Animal Crossing? What? No, <laughs> I haven't. You know, it's funny. I have Animal Crossing. I Do you? I knew you had yeah. it. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't actually played it yet, though. I don't get it why, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, we're all at home trying to uh, cope with our own delirium. So we need distractions like this, like the Joe Exotic Tiger King documentary. All right, what don't you get? I'm sorry. Animal Crossing. I just don't understand the appeal of this game. I've seen people playing it. I've seen the memes online. Uh It just looks so awful to me. I don't understand the appeal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a good video game person anyway. You're not. Now, yeah. so maybe that's it. But I mean, what is the deal with that game? Was it like you're supposed to? Is it like Facebook or something, like Farmville or something? Here's the thing: I don't know because I never played. The, they, they had a GameCube one that apparently everybody like fucking uh, like just waxes philosophical on for hours and hours. You know, like ah, let's remember that because I I do remember when that game was out because it was like. It was before games were online, but it was still kind of online. Like hmm. it was, a, it was, a, it was, um, what do they call it? A perpetual world, a evergreen, like an, I forget what they call it. MMO or something? No, it wasn't an is? MMO, oh, but okay. it had a, the, the, ga- the world kept going after you, like the world inside the game kept going, even if you not logging on, you know? Hmm. And then like, if you, you know, I don't know, don't log on for three months. It's like. I don't know. This dog boy is now a dog man. It's like Minecraft. He's like, what happened to fucking? It's not like Minecraft. Okay, it's nothing like that. (laughs) Don't try to. I look. I don't even. I I I barely understand. All I know is there were a lot of think pieces that came out about it. It was this was GameCube. This was before shit was. It was like kind of online, but not really. All right, it's hard to describe, especially to you. Well, this one now, I know, I'm. It's, it's also funny to me. I remember reading an article like, my mother had cancer, and I she was playing my Animal Crossing, and after she died, I went to the village she created, and I talked to the, I. <laughs> Like to the badger or something. I talked to the hedgehog boy who was fishing by the stream. And he asked me where Judy was. And Judy Uh. was my mother. And I couldn't help but a tear. And this was on like, you know, this is on like destructoid.com or something. This this article or whatever, you know. And (laughs) those are the type of people I work with that I have to deal with every day. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that. That is what people are 
that is the phenomenon that was yeah. Animal Crossing. Okay, so I I got this new one because I want to see what it's all about. I never played the original one. So I, I, I just I see people playing it. They're like, here's my village and I have my peach trees and this is like the fucking dog guy that's fishing in my river and and this is my it's just like and here's a museum. It's like wh- why the fuck would I want to play a game like that? I think it actually imprints your mind into the game like Westworld. Hmm. Um I think that's why. I don't know. I bet you that that, that game is like a prime because there's like a social aspect to it. Like you can communicate with other people. So I bet you dollars to donuts within two months, it's going to be just rife with pedophiles. Uh, Nintendo is usually pretty on top of that shit. Like they usually have it. So you can't like be like, hey, show me your fucking, you know, dog boy tits or whatever. It's, (laughs) It's usually like you can wave or be like. You know, you can emote at pe- at people or whatever. Oh, but you can't actually be. speak. I don't think so. Can you send there... dick pics? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you can badger, <laughs> badger dick pics. Send yeah. a badger eggplant emoji. Uh huh. Yeah. But I mean, is this supposed to be like you know you can go and you can make like your farm and then go sell your vegetables to the other people and then go steal a hearse with a body inside and take it away for two days and have sex with it. But it's like a world that keeps going, oh, you know. Okay. It's like it's like a, you know, the world of the cum dish mushrooms, you know, <laughs> <laughs> from that Would you guy. Like to try my cum dish yeah. mushroom. Now it's I'd like play a game that evolves, those. you know, when you yeah. go off to college, you know, uh, fucking Buzz and Woody are still up to their old tricks, even though you're die on your deathbed. That's you know? how it goes. Yeah. Um. So what I briefly alluded to was the story of uh, Karen Greenlee, who was a necrophiliac who actually stole a hearse with a body inside hmm. and then went and molested the corpse for two days. Yeah, this happened in 1979. Hmm. It's a sordid tale. Two days? Yeah, she took it for two days. And oh then God. she tried to OD on Tylenol with codeine, and it didn't work out. Like cops yes. found her and they arrested her. At the f- How old was she? Uh God, she was like in her thirties. That's bullshit. Yeah. You can't once you turn once you're like twenty once you turn twenty two, you can't do no more fucking Tylenol ODing. Tylenol right. with codeine. Yeah. Still, you can't be ODing on Tylenol when you're <laughs> it's it's too it's you know. Actually, I wonder how old she was. <sighs> you're a grown ass woman. You can't be you know. Yeah, she OD was in her on 30s. something more grown. So Karen well, I don't understand these these like fucking oh sorry. Go yeah, ahead. What were you let's t- let's do the story. I was gonna talk I was gonna go into a <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna go rant? I was gonna, about gonna go into crossing? a weird rant about lean and oh. uh you know Yeah, yeah, per- yeah. What do they call that shit? The the well, you mean whatever Lil Wayne, the purple drink, uh, drink. it's the, called lean, right? Yeah, it's lean. Called, that's what he what, that's what, what what is the other what what do they also call it? Is it drink? Dr- no. Drink drank. I don't. I I feel like I'm making that up. But it's like drink. the purple lean is what I've heard, or the perp. Purple something? stuff. Yeah, D. yeah, yeah. Something. You yeah. can know D on that, can't I, you? Because I always read. Well, I mean, it's codeine, dude. Like I always read, like, oh my god, you know, young Tizzy had a harrowing addiction to lean, and it's like, really, it's fucking codeine. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, but I thought that's what. Uh, I thought Lil Wayne went to rehab for that. 
Yeah, but codeine is like, you know, in the opioid crisis, codeine ain't shit. They sell yeah, codeine like, over the counter in fucking it's like England. Nerds candy. Yeah. Nothing. yeah. It's nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, if you took like a whole, like a whole bottle of Tylenol with codeine, mm. would it just hurt your liver? Yeah, you you can really fuck up your liver. I mean, I've known. I had a friend of mine who OD'd on Tylenol PM, and it's a real dumb move because yeah. it will never kill you, but it can definitely do serious damage to your liver. Huh. Well, the interesting story here, the sordid tale of Karen Greenlee, is you don't find that many female necrophiliacs. You know, there's not that many female necrophiliacs. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it's it's. I can't remember doing any stories even on any female necrophiles. Mm. Cool. Mainly because it makes sense that a man would have, you know, would have sex with a corpse because we're equipped to do that. Mm. You know, we could just go and stick our, lube it up and stick our thing in the hole of the corpse. Mm. I mean, it makes sense to me that there'd be male necrophiliacs out there. But a female, it's like, how are they going to do it? Mm. And it turns out that's a very common question that Karen would be asked. So we'll get to that in a minute. I'm just teasing the story. It's a teaser. So this happened in 1979, also in Northern California, which is the same area that our story from last week happened. It's like the crazy women of Northern California. Mm. Um, she was supposed to drive a hearse. She was working for a funeral home. She was supposed to drive a hearse, contain the body of a 33-year-old man to a funeral home. Instead... She took off with the corpse and the hearse for a two-day joyride, transporting it to another county where she proceeded to have sex with it. She then confessed to the entire necrophilia incident in a disturbing letter, which I couldn't find. I tried, but I couldn't find it. And then was eventually charged and convicted of stealing a hearse and interfering with a funeral. But she wasn't charged with necrophilia because that wasn't a crime. Hmm. Yeah, at that time, it wasn't a crime. It's definitely a crime now, though. So you don't want to go out there violating corpses. But apparently this was a, a, a massive public scandal because she was, she's, you know, was one of the first female necrophiliacs that people had ever encountered. And so there's all these questions of, you know, that were asked during her trial. Um, and apparently that corpse that she, that she stole and molested um, that was like the, just the tip of all of her necrophiliac encounters. I mean, she, had, she said, she claimed to have made love uh, between, from anywhere between 20 to 40 bodies over the years. Hmm. Yeah, before finally getting caught. Yeah. She, what did she like break into morgues and shit or? She'd break into funeral homes. She worked mm. at a funeral home, so it was kind of easy for her to do it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but even when she was younger, she would sneak into uh, like the mortuary, fondle the bodies. So what ended up happening to her? So the, the body was a 33 year old man named John Mer- Mercury. That's a weird mm. name. John Mercury, Mr. Mercury. Good name. Yeah. That's a pretty cool name. A good porn name. Um, John Mercury was uh, being taken to a cemetery to be buried, and she hijacked the corpse, basically. Took it in a, in a hearse, drove to the next county, and then she raped the corpse for a couple days and tried to overdose on uh, codeine Tylenol. But it turns out the police ended up finding her, and, uh, and I guess like after she had like 
you know, during during the the suicide attempt, she wrote a whole letter confessing to her crime and just shoved it in the casket. Yeah. Huh. And so you, the pardon? Del Della Morte Della More. You ever see that movie? Della Morte Della More. No. It was also called Cemetery Man. I don't think I've ever seen that. It was an Italian movie starring Rupert Everett for some reason hmm. where he works. At, it's a weird fucking movie where he works at a graveyard as like a groundskeeper and the dead keep coming back to life. But then he fucks. Who does he? He fucks them and they, they die again. I, I think he fucked a living woman. I forget. I can't know. Maybe she was dead. I don't remember. Anyway, it was a weird fucking movie. It was good, though. I liked it. You ever, Morte you ever seen Necromantic? No. That was a that was a classic classic mm. necrophile necrophile movie, probably from like early eighties I think. There are two of them. Okay. I actually uh, was was uh, trying to find that movie today, no success. Um. So yeah, so she wrote this letter, a four and a half page letter, confessing to the Amherst episode she had with twenty to forty uh, deceased uh, deceased men, um, mm. and she like, you know, the letter is filled with remorse over these sexual proclivities. She would say, or in the letter she wrote, why did I do it? Why? Fear of love, relationships? No romance ever hurt like this. It's the pits. I'm a morgue rat. This is my rat hole, perhaps wow. my grave. It's profound. Damn, dog. Some wow. poetry going on there. Yeah. She's a morgue rat. Is that what they call them? I hope they don't call them anything, you know? Like, there should be enough of them to call them. What do they call... I was thinking about this the other day. Good Lord. The women that, uh, that you know, carry the round numbers at wrestling mats, they call them, like, ring rats? Ring girls or something, right? No, but there's a derogatory term. Is there? Oh. Yeah, something like that. It's like ring rats mm. or something. All right. Um, so she... Uh, yeah, the letter proved to be her downfall. Mm. The, the police arrested her. Uh, for stealing the body in the hearse, she got 11 days in jail, a $255 fine, which doesn't seem like much. Mm. Uh, she was placed on two years probation with medical treatment recommended. Meanwhile, the mother of the dead man sued her, claiming that the incident scarred her psyche, and she asked for a million dollars. Where would this woman get a million dollars from? Who knows? She finally settled for $117,000, which I don't even know where she got that. She probably never got that. I highly doubt the woman ever paid her. Yeah. But so uh, Greenlee, you know, never showed any remorse. Even throughout the trial, which was a bit of a spectacle, she would like speak openly and candidly about her preference for, uh, for deceased men. Um, and years after her arrest, she would elaborate on her attraction to human bodies. She actually did an interview which is a great interview I'm going to get to in a second, called The Unrepentant Necrophile. Uh, she mm -hmm. was interviewed by Jim Morton uh, in the book Apocalypse Culture. You ever read that one? No. Is it the, is it the fucking Opie and Anthony guy? No, 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 no. That's oh, a different oh. guy. That's Jim Norton. This is Jim oh, Morton. This guy wrote for Feral House. You know, Feral House, the publisher. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Actually, this one guy's Lenora's friend, Adam Parfrey. Uh, he ended up editing this book. But it's a, great, it's a great book, Apocalypse Culture. But the, this, uh, she spoke openly to him about her, uh, her, her fetish with necrophilia. Mm. Um, she, uh, she claimed she found the smell of death very arousing, particularly freshly embalmed corpses. And mm. even seeing blood oozing from a fresh body was very arousing to her. 
quote, when you're on top of a body, it tends to purge blood out of its mouth while you're making passionate love. Yeah. And then she said, you'd have to be there, I guess. Hmm. Wink, wink. Um, so she had been caught before, and this is probably part of the reason why you don't really hear that, that much about female necrophiliacs, but also probably about necro- necrophilia in general, uh, mainly because the funeral homes won't report it because they don't want to draw negative attention to their business. Right. So she had been caught several times um, prior to getting- Cemeteries you know, don't like to body. report it either. But oh, you mean like uh, grave Any grave kind theft? of weird, yeah, any kind of weird- uh you know, defiling of bodies. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's going to draw like, you know, undue attention to your yep. business. Oh yeah. And especially if you like have, you know, a funeral home with, a, with such a lax security system that people can go in there and rape your corpses. Mm. Who's going to take their, their loved ones there. Um, she said, uh, she had attempted suicide multiple times in the past. Obviously, uh, she had issues with her mm-hmm. sexual proclivities. Um, but she was, uh, one particular botched suicide attempt, she was living in a halfway house near a funeral home. And she would sneak in at night through a back door in search of the bodies. She's it, fine as fuck, too. But I, I, I should say that, yeah. yeah. She is actually kind of attractive. And, and, and the funny thing is, is that she's actually, like, she's, if you look for pictures of her, she's clearly done a bunch of photo. I mean, in the late seventies, did a bunch of photo shoots of that theme. You mean like uh, maybe she was like she was like the original goth, like a true her, goth. like draped over a coffin, and her like you know with the feet of a dead person looking up from them and stuff like that. There's a bunch of weird photos of her. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Wow. Yeah, she yeah. was kind of cute. She was very cute. Yeah, I would have hit that. Absolutely. Definitely. However, would it have bothered you if, uh, if like, you know, you start, you met this girl on Tinder, you started hanging out and she told you that she had had sex with three corpses? You know what? With this quarantine, I'd probably hit a corpse right now. <laughs> I mean, my God, you know, oh, well, look or at, at least I'd lay next to one, you know, just, just out of sheer, just companionship. Yeah. My you know? God. Um, she actually, when a, this interview with a Jim Morton, he kind of gets into details about her, and uh, she actually seems like kind of a cool chick. I think I totally would have hung out with her. Yeah, she seems Probably cool. listening to good music. Um, but yeah, so the thing is, is uh, she almost got caught before, and the workers threatened to call the cops. No one ever did. And she yeah. was saying that that's probably why, you know, there's a lot of inappropriate mm-hmm. behavior happening at uh, funeral homes. Because mm-hmm. the funeral industry, you know, they don't want to like provide any details or draw uh, unnecessary attention to the business, so they usually never report any of these crimes. Oh yeah. Uh, she says she was very attracted to death from a young age. Uh, she was always obsessed obsessed with death. Felt drawn towards morgues. Uh, she used <laughs> to hold elaborate funerals for her pets. It kept right. a pet cemetery in her backyard. And in her small town, the fireman's barbecue was held next to a morgue. So while the other children were frightened by the morgue, she would go in to use the bathroom and just explore the building and touch the corpses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently, after all the trial and everything that happened, uh, it ruined her relationship with her family. 
Yeah, Karen Greenlee's relationship with her brothers was severely damaged by her actions. Uh, one of her brothers like refused to do anything with her after the trial. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other stayed in touch, but pressed her for details about the crime, which she was uncomfortable sharing, which is like, come on. You got arrested for having sex with a corpse, so you're not going to tell me any details about it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, she said that her, her, uh, her younger brother um, wasn't exactly supportive, but he kept yeah. asking her, like, so how'd you do it? Wouldn't you want to know? Like, if your sister got caught, arrested, not even caught, arrested for molesting a corpse or having sex with a corpse, would you ask her, like, how? Like, yeah, what position? I would. I would. I would have to know. And mm. I don't even think it's I don't need to perverted. know what position, right? <laughs> I just need to know, like, is the dick hard, like, with rigor more? Is that... Like, how does that work? So you'd want to know if it was penetrative Because I don't know, because I saw my grandfather's corpse and it fucking, there wasn't a big hard dick sticking out of the suit. You know, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> my but God. You were looking at your, your grandfather's bulge in the coffin? No, I wasn't. But I mean, you would have known, it would have been hard to miss. But that, that's oh. the thing. I don't know if, uh, if she was having full-on penetrative sex. Um... Jews don't believe in embalming, right? Isn't that no, true? No, yeah, you can't be embalmed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's why uh, when a Jew dies, you have to, like, bury them within three days. Yeah. Um, also with a bell, because they yeah. might be still alive. You don't know. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Mm. And they have to be in, like, a pine box. Like, they can't be in, like, a really elaborate uh, casket. Yeah. That's how Jews do it. Um, Saves money. Yeah, no, it does. So in this interview that she had with uh, Jim Morton, which it was, it's interesting because she was really open, like right after like the trial happened yeah. and, and she was, and uh, you know, she, she did her time. She was really open about talking about it. And she did this interview in like uh, 1987 uh, for the book Apocalypse Culture. But then she later regretted the interview, changed her identity and moved to another city. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Jim Morton writes, the following interview was held in Karen's apartment, a small studio filled with books, necrophilic drawings, and satanic adornments. You totally would have hung out with this girl. Of course. For yeah. sure. Now she's cool. Yeah. Um, so he asked her, you know, it seemed like you got very little support from your family during the trial and, uh, and, and from like, you know, the media in, in general. And she said, yeah, no, none whatsoever. Newspapers are the worst. To this day, I hate reporters. One of them even compared me to Richard Trenton Chase, the vampire killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy also, another guy in Sacramento who- That guy's uh, a mess. Oh, yeah. We, we should almost cover that guy. Uh, everybody's um, covered that guy. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't say that the comparison between the two is very, uh, very mm. apt. Because, I mean, this guy was, like, draining corpses and, mm. like, uh, and mutilating people and things like that. She wasn't doing that. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she said her brothers were unsupportive. Um, before the trial, she had a boyfriend who found out about it. And he got mad and slapped her around. He said, I wasn't even a woman, and I can go fuck my dead bodies. She said, I was surprised. He knew. Apparently, a lot of people knew. And I don't even know how they knew. So, so I guess this guy found out before 
that she was uh, having sex with dead bodies. So, so that's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thought experiment to think about it. Like, would that be an instant boner killer for you? Like, if uh, if she cheated on you with a corpse? No, I don't care. <laughs> like, that's not like you're, that's not a threat because they're dead. You know, you know, this is gonna sound bad. <clears throat> I feel the same way when a woman cheats on me with a woman. Hmm. Isn't that weird or bad or I don't know? Well, what it you is. just don't Something. perceive it as a threat. I don't perceive it as a threat. Well, but though, you know, what if the sex was better with a woman? She was like, I'm just gonna leave and be with her. Well, I just assume it's gonna be better, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I think it on. usually is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, please. But I mean, it's all you know, go most, team with those lesbians, you know? Yeah. Most women don't have the, the um, patience to like live with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, she said, with yeah. guys. They always felt I went for the bodies because I was hard up and horny. And if I went to bed with them, they would be able to change her and they would be the one who would give her such satisfaction that she wouldn't need those corpses anymore. She said she's run into that a lot. Hmm. I don't know if it works like that. So the question that she's most often asked is how does she do it? How did you have sex with these corpses? Um... She responded, yeah, that's the question I get all the time. Uh, she goes, even people who seem pretty cool, who seem to have open minds, then I would tell them and they'd say, that's very interesting and not want to have anything to do with me. Hmm. She said, I don't mind telling people how I do it. It doesn't matter to me. But does she it, like it when dudes, where, like, when dudes pretend to be corpses or that, does that not work for her? I, th I think she needs an actual corpse. An actual corpse. Because if you read about it, so she says, she goes, anyone adept sexually shouldn't have to ask. People have this misconception that there has to be penetration for sexual gratification. She said, that's bull. The most sensitive part of a woman is the front area anyway, and that's what needs to be stimulated. Shouldn't have to ask what? Or how she's getting off on the corpse. Right. So, so basically, she, she just dry hump a corpse. It doesn't. She's rubbing her clit on the corpse's face or crotch. Fair think, enough. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, she said. Besides, there's different aspects of sexual expression. There's touching. There's sixty nine. Mm. There's even holding hands. So she's right. getting like, uh, you know, she's, yeah. she's yeah, she's like uh, doing a little foreplay with these corpses here. Yeah, I mean, that's really getting not, to know them. It's not for everybody, you know. She said the body is just lying there, but right. it has what it takes to make me happy. The cold, mm. the aura of death, the smell of death, the funereal surroundings, it all contributes. Mm. So that's the thing. I think women are complicated creatures, you know? Yeah. They need various stimuli. So with her, yeah. it's not just like, you know, a rigor mortis cock and her like, you know, getting off on that. It's the whole, uh, you know, the whole atmosphere. There's, there's a variety of stimuli that gets her off. Hmm. Um, yeah, she said that the, she finds the odor of death very erotic. Not all death odors. She's like a, you know, a body that's been floating in the bay for two weeks or a burn victim. That doesn't really attract her uh, too much. But a freshly embalmed corpse, that gets her wet. Hmm. Um, there's also the attraction to blood. Uh, she said that... Uh, but with all the AIDS going around, she got a little nervous about that. And she said that's the reason she hadn't tried anything lately. 
Um, she's like, because I'm sure I would have found a way to get in one of those funeral homes. She's like, because the guys that she finds attractive, they're young men in their 20s, are the ones who are dying of AIDS. Mm. So she's molesting young gay guys. Yep. You know, God, would they just be appalled? They would be. Ugh. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, he asked her if she usually attends the funeral. Not only would they be appalled, they'd probably be like, and you're wearing that. <laughs> yeah, they'd be really judgmental. Yeah. So how dare mm. you? Um overalls, really? Uh he asked her, did you usually attend the funerals of your corpse lovers? And she said, yeah. It was convenient working in the funeral homes, and she'd get to drive out to the cemetery with the family, and she'd get to mourn right along with the family at the loss of that loved one. Except she was groaning in a, quote, different tone. She said, people can't really tell if you're grief-stricken or passion-stricken. She said, I've had members of the families put their arms around me and say, we're so glad you could come. And then she said, if the guy didn't have a girlfriend in life, they think you, that you would have been the one. Hmm. Wow. God, could you imagine after those parents thinking about this afterwards, after she got caught? Yeah. Um, she asked her, he asked her, like, when did you first become aware of necrophilia? She said she's been attracted to death like her whole life. Um, had these elaborate funeral services. Used to go uh, hang out in the morgue. Mm. Um, the one interesting thing about the vampire killer, though, is uh, the reporters compared her to Richard Chase, who was also, uh, you know, who murdered people uh, also in the Sacramento area, Northern California. Uh, he was nicknamed the Vampire Sacramento because he drank his victim's blood and cannibalized her remains. But apparently the second funeral home that she worked for, and she wasn't there at the time, got the bodies of Chase's victims. Mm. So it was like a woman, a man, a woman, and their child. Like he killed all three and just butchered. Mm. Um, so uh, he asked her, and this is kind of interesting. She, he said, there seems to be a strong camaraderie between morticians, almost like a secret society. And I've always thought that too, because if you think about it, I mean, how many people, I mean, it must be a, I mean, you must probably go to the same school with these people. How many, right. like, I mean, how many grad, do you get like a, is it a graduate degree or is it a mortician school you go to? I thought you were going to say how many of them have Nightmare Before Christmas tattoos. <laughs> I going to say <laughs> I'd say a good portion, though. At least 20%. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But what do they, is there like, what do they go to mortuary science, like schools of mortuary science? Yeah. Is it a graduate degree? I don't know what it is. I wonder. But it's, a, it's something, that's for sure. Yeah, I wonder. Probably, you know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say it's probably the amount of training you have to do to like become a nurse, most likely, you know? Hmm. Um, She said morticians are very tight because most Hmm. people don't want to have anything to do with them. She said a lot of people under the misconception that morticians are very straight and very somber. She said, Hmm. if you ever went back into the prep room and heard all the jokes that are cracked, it would blow that theory right out the window. Hmm. It's got to be some uh, gallows humor going on there. Um... When uh, apparently a funeral director was at her trial and was asked how often necrophilia occurs, he said it's almost unheard of in the profession. Hmm. And uh, she said that's a major lie. It's it's very prevalent because funeral homes don't report it. She said she was working with uh, one mortician who used to like to to uh, use a trocar, which is a large hollow needle that they 
suction fluids out of a corpse with. Mm-hmm. Um, he would take it, take the trocar, and push it up inside any male cadaver's dick. And then he would say, oh, look, the corpse has got a boner. And he'd move it around. Hmm. She's like, the guy was really weird. He looked kind of like Larry from the Three Stooges. I think he definitely had necrophilic tendencies. He'd Mm. get real upset if there weren't any female bodies to work on. He'd just start pacing around the room. She said she caught him one time in the prep room. He was just taking a pee in the hopper at the end of the table. And as he was pulling up his pants, when when she walked in, he said, I won't tell if you don't. And he winked at her. You know, speaking of Larry from the Three Stooges, <laughs> how does one go about getting a haircut right now? <clears throat> I think you have to cut your own. I think that's okay. what people are doing. Huh. All that's right. what's going to happen when you finally get back like to the office. Because I'm like at the level where it's like I there, – there comes a certain point where it's like I'm all of a sudden I'm Marv from Home Alone. <laughs> and I want to not get to that point. It's important that I don't. I wonder if like hairdressers are making house calls. You think? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they are. Yeah. I wonder. I should. Uh, yeah. th- thankfully, I got one a couple weeks before mm-hmm. the quarantine, but I'm going to need one too. Mm-hmm. We're all going to kind of look like Tom Hanks and Castaway when we finally get back to the office. Mm-hmm. You know, all of our civility is just gone. And we're used to wearing sweatpants and not bathing for days. Yeah. And now we have to like shave and 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 re-enter society. It's gonna it's be just weird. Like nothing is good. Yeah. Nothing will ever be good. <laughs> uh, so. Finally, he asked her. He said, uh, um, "You know, when, when, so when you were caught, what exactly what exactly happened?" And she describes a scene. She said uh, she snuck into a funeral home, mm. and she was on the prep table having a quote good old time when all of a sudden she felt like there was somebody nearby and she heard people walking down a hallway. She quietly jumped off the table threw the sheet back over the body. Her clothes were in quite a state of disarray and she had blood, blood on her because mm. um, it had been an autopsy case and there was a casket with a lid open in the side casket room. So she ran and hid behind it. Uh, the casket was on a church truck, so they couldn't actually see her, but they could see her legs sticking out. And so a man mm. and a woman walked into the room, and they, were, and they said, who are you? What are you doing there? And then one of them said to the other, go get the gun, call the cops. I'll stay down here. And so she mm. just ran out the back door, and she knew the layout of the place, so she just ran down the hall and then out of the cemetery. But apparently she had a friend who worked at the funeral home who knew about her antics, and I guess he said, he's like, hey, somebody broke into the funeral home and they know it was you. So after that, she kind of freaked out and ended up moving. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Um, I like that he asked her in, the, in this, this is, keep in mind this, this interview is in the late 80s. He said, have you seen people's attitudes changing towards necrophilia? And she said, oh, totally. Um, it's almost a fad now. And she's like, most of the people aren't really necrophiles. They're pseudo-necrophiles, like a death cult. But I think there's a lot of people who would do it if they had the opportunity. Okay, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I think people are still pretty horrified by necrophilia. Do you, th- do you I, think the attitude's I'm changed? Horrified. I'm not. I'm definitely not horrified by it. Absolutely not. Yeah, but if, uh, okay. Like, I don't care. Like, there's, it's a victimless crime as far as I'm concerned. I guess, but would you God like bless. if one of your friends was just like, "Yeah, I love breaking the funeral home," just 
fucking the shit out of like these court any fresh courts I can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you be a little weirded out? Or would you be like, wow, cool? No, these are the people I collect. I collect these people. <laughs> or I used to when I knew people, you know? I, I just like that. how she's like, it's cool now. Uh, yeah. You know, she maybe you should hook up with these people. She said there's a group uh, called the American Association of Necrophilic Research and Enlightenment, mm. AANRE. And uh, you can contact them and get some information about it. So just to, you can go meet some necrophiles. Maybe that's how you could uh, pass I the kinda, time during The thing that's annoying about these people is that I actually have been devoting some time to researching necromancy, but you can't tell anyone that because they're like, oh, this isn't that fucking corpses. <laughs> no, <clears throat> it's a totally different thing. And fuck you. And you're stupid. And I hate you. But with necromancy, aren't you trying to raise the corpse from the dead? Not necessarily. That's, I mean, you can, that's part of, that's like a small facet of necromancy. It's actually, most of it is you're summoning demons to do magic for you. Oh, so, so why is yeah. it? Oh, okay. So you're, you're basically doing sorcery to get yep. demons to come up and do your bidding. Yeah. But not necessarily a corpse. Or do, is mean, it, or do the demons can. take the host of the corpse? No, 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 no. no. Wow. The corpse thing is a small thing you can do. You can do all sorts of shit with these demons, you know. Hmm. So, um, but again, you can't tell anybody about it because they'll they'll, they'll well, think as soon as they hear necro, you know, as soon as you hear necro, you just think about yeah. corpse fucking. Yeah, you know, God, keep an open mind, people. All right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's more than just sticking your dick in a corpse. So it always comes back to that. Mm-hmm. Um. So she was sent to therapy as part of the probation requirement. And she said, I had a really nice social worker. She was cool, very non-judgmental. And the more I talked to the therapist, the more I realized necrophilia makes sense for me. The reason I was having a problem with it and tried to commit suicide because I couldn't accept myself. I was still trying to live my life by other people's standards. To accept it was peaceful. These people who were trying to change me only helped me get myself more in touch with my feelings. I used to go straight from the therapist's office right to the funeral home. It didn't work, folks. So there you go. Hmm. She uh, became one with her necrophilic self. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's, in fact, actually, I would almost say this, this story had a happy ending. Yes. You know? Uh-huh. She, uh, she, she found true love. That's right. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I kind of agree that there's a, a victimless, it is a victimless crime in a sense because it's, it is just at this point an inanimate object, I guess. Mm-hmm. But what about the family? You know, the family of the victim. Fuck the family. It's a corpse. <laughs> I, I know, but it's, sh- if it's your mom and someone who's just like, you know, five dudes are pulling a train on it in the funeral home, would you be a little upset? That's why you don't tell me. You know, like, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Like, even if that happens, I don't want to know about it. And if you told me, I'd be more likely to blame the person that made it a big deal than the people that actually did it. Because what the fuck good is it? What is that? You know, I'm angry even thinking about this hypothetical situation now. You wouldn't want to know what position they used? No. All right, people, no. this is episode 732. We're sticking wrong on that note. Um, we have some, uh, some news stories coming next, actually. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. Uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. 
Do you need more sick and wrong in your life? Do you need one more news story to make you feel normal? Are three phone calls barely enough to feed the raging beast of desire? Well, then it's time for you to get the help you need and become a sick and wrong patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash sick and wrong and you'll have access to exclusive Patreon only content such as news stories, extra phone calls, and much, much more. Become a patron today and help us make a better sick and wrong for tomorrow. That's patreon.com slash sick and wrong. So the first story we have here uh, has to do with a life that was a lie of gay encounters and made-up fortunes. Hmm. Yeah. A lie of gay encounters. Love it. Shanti Cooper Tronis and David Tronis had been married for just a year when she, found, she was found dead in her upscale Florida home. Police soon focused on Tronis, who was 52 years old, who initially told police that his wife had slipped and fell while in the bathtub. Hmm. Yeah, uh, cops found that she was actually, after an autopsy revealed that she actually died from blunt force trauma, he said that she slipped and fell like four times in a row. She's very clumsy. Hmm. And that's why it happened. Um, very clumsy. Uh, it turned out that uh, they found it was the blunt force trauma to the head and strangulation that she actually died from. Have you, ever had, have you ever had like crazy sex and then almost fucking died in the shower because of lube? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like slipped on it? Yeah. I've slipped on lube before. Okay, yeah. But I don't know if I've ever actually just... That's so wait, you were looping up in the shower. No. That's dangerous. No. But, no, it wasn't looping up in the shower. No, but I mean, we but it was sex like there and... was some lube on me somewhere. Oh. I don't know, you... washed off me or something. Got on the fucking ground and I fucking, you know. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever actually fallen off the bed having sex? Probably, I don't know. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. Yeah. Where you're just yeah. like... You know, yeah. get to the point where you're, you know, the bed's moving around and you're yeah, fucking yeah. and you're wasted yeah. and you get up to change positions and just like lose your footing and just fall. Oh, yeah. 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 Kills the boner. Mm-hmm. Um, moreover, this crime scene was curious to the investigators because they noted that the woman's body was completely dry. Yet her husband said she was found in the bathtub, like she slipped and fell in the bathtub. And so four months after the body was discovered, Tronis was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Now, the, the weird thing is they had only been married for about a year. So why would a man want to kill his new wife just after one year of marriage? Doesn't it usually happen? Like, the urge to kill usually comes within three, I think. Oh, is that true? I don't know. I've never been married. How do you know? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know. Hmm. <laughs> Who would marry me? Uh. The scene was odd to investigators since, A, the body was dry, but also... After three years, you just start sending me lewd Instagram messages is what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's usually, yeah. yeah, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but so they thought it was odd that her body was completely dry, and the blood evidence on the bedroom floor was not fresh. It had also been dry. So mm -hmm. they're just like, this is kind of weird. Um, an mm -hmm. autopsy showed that she had died from blunt force trauma and strangulation, but it could not be the result of a slip and fall accident. 
The report would say that she mostly died the night before. And so they actually even looked up, uh, they said it was backed up the time of death by the fact that she was wearing pajamas and she mm-hmm. took her watch off and, uh, and just one earring. She was still wearing the other earring when she was found you know, dead in the bathtub with her head bashed in. And they said that the lack of defensive wounds suggested that she had been ambushed. I don't think this guy was a very detail-oriented killer. Maybe not. I mean, if, if I was to kill someone, I would go like full-on Hitchcock. Like I would cover up every track. I would mm-hmm. plan out every particular scenario. And then I would kill them with like, you know, the most like conclusive method. Yeah. Yeah, like I would research it. I probably wouldn't research it on my own computer. Have you ever seen uh, The Staircase? Oh, yeah, with uh, the guy who's, uh, who pushed his wife down the stairs? Yeah. Did he, wait, did he did research other techniques? Thing? I never actually watched it. Oh, man, it's great. I mean, I it's, it's that, long actually. as fuck, so it's good, to, it's good to have in the background like while you're kind of doing other things. Um, and then just like every now and then it'll captivate your attention with some crazy shit. I get that but one mixed up with the jinx, even they're completely different. They're very different. Yeah. But the, the, like in the staircase, it's like you could come away, you could come away from the thing and think he didn't kill her. Maybe I, you know, I think it'd be, you'd be a minority, but you could, I could see how it could happen. But, the, but it's funny, but because it was very similar. Cause it was like, he was you know, he was having all sorts of gay affairs and stuff. And, um, hmm. but it was she like, he was, he was, ex- I don't know. Supposedly that was, that was the, what the prosecution argued, but, um, he was a successful novelist and it's like, he fought in Vietnam and stuff, but, but it's like, at one point they're talking about his novels and they're all just these like totally gay novels about Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just sad. Or like really homoerotic, funny. like novels yeah. set in like the barracks. Yes. In the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's that guy that writes like all those novels about having sex with Bigfoot? Chuck Tingle. Chuck or Tingle. Sounds yeah. like Chuck Tingle type Vietnam novels. I No, I think they're like, they're kind of like, uh, like the like uh like James Patterson, more homoeroticism <laughs> or something, you know. I think that's James what James Patterson's pretty homoerotic, though. Okay, I've never read him, so I don't know. <laughs> so wait, so he claimed that she fell down the stairs. That's how she died. Yeah. Prosecution was saying that he pushed her. I think there might have even been an owl. I don't remember that when I watched it, but I was talking to somebody about that movie, and they're like. Yeah, his big defense was that an owl flew into the house. And the, <laughs> and the owl, like, scared her or something? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, that's a great, the yeah. owl defense. That, the, the thing that classic. pisses me off about, like, the jinx and the staircase and all these series, if you could just do it in, like, two episodes, I would watch it. Right. I hate how they, like, spread it out over ten episodes. Well, the thing about the staircase, dude, is the staircase was done before they started just doing these docuseries right staircase was done in like i don't know the mid-aughts or something okay right right. so it was it was just like a like they followed the entire family while this was going on and like every aspect of the fucking case they followed the prosecution they followed the fucking defense they followed like it's just like they're following everybody 
So it's like, you know, it's 20 hours or it's like 16. I don't even know how long it is. It's long. It, it just sounds so tedious and, to sit through that. Oh, like I'd no. rather just like kind of get a summary. I mean, but it's not something, again, like I said, no, because the summary's not going to, it's not going to convey it, man. Sorry. What you got to do is you got to like have it on while you're doing other things. Yeah, yeah, that makes and sense. And it will periodically pull you in and be like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're, you know, crocheting or whatever, whatever you do, you know. Yeah, I have so, to check that out. Do an Animal Crossing. All right? Yeah, Animal yeah. Crossing while watching the staircase. Yeah. Um. So Trons was arrested, charged with first degree murder, and he pled not guilty to that. Uh, but court documents would show that while the poli- while police were actually investigating the murder, this guy was just moving her money around. They found evidence that he transferred two hundred fifty-two thousand dollars from her account to his lawyers, and then, uh, a, like twelve days after her death, he transferred the title of their home into a trust that only he controls. So I mean, come on, man, do you need to be any more obvious than that? Like, should you? That's the thing. Shouldn't you plan all this stuff out beforehand and do it like incrementally? Was it a crime of passion, though? You know. Depends. I, I mean, I guess it's uh, it's up to you to to, to make mm. make your call. I don't think so. I think this guy planned it out. He's just an idiot. Right. So okay. the police looked into their lives, and uh, and yeah, they'd only been married for a year. They ended up uh, they had met on Match dot com, and when they started dating, the husband told uh, Shanti that he was rich, very wealthy. He inherited between four to six million dollars from his father's death. Investigators prove that that claim is false. Um, and uh, they, they started talking to her friends to find out what the couple's life was like since they got married. Friends said that even though David claimed he was rich, he never paid for anything. He relied entirely on his wife to pay all the bills. And if they went out to a restaurant, she would pay, all the, she would pay the bill. What a player. Guy's like hmm. a full-on pimp. Never yeah. been able to do that. Um, but they even got married. And I guess he always talked about how much money he had, but she couldn't figure out why he was such a miser. That guy's on to something there. Hmm. He probably did that whole thing like, oh, I forgot my credit card again. Yeah. You know, like, oh, man, I, I thought it was in my wallet. I don't know what happened. Can you get this hmm. one, babe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heard that before. John Bobbitt. The police believe that Shanti figured out that her husband had lied to her about his financial status. And even more damning, she figured out that he was visiting bathhouses and having anonymous sex with men. Hmm. And so a day after marrying her, hmm. a photo taken of him at a bathhouse surfaced. Hmm. Who took that photo? Yeah. Like, I thought, don't they usually, like, lock down those places? And, like, I'm pretty sure, you wear yeah. a disguise to get in? <laughs> I don't know. My, my brother used to go to this one called The Unicorn. Okay. It was just like, it was, it was funny too. Cause I was thinking like, are you allowed to just have sex in a public sp- space like that? Is that cool? Like, is that condoned? What at a sex club? Well, no, like, uh, so the unicorn was just this bathhouse. It was just like right on Halstead. It was open until 6, 6 a.m. And you just went there basically just get laid. But I was wondering, like, I don't know. Well, what kind like of bathhouse is it, bro? Well, I don't, you know? I don't know. Okay. Then, then. Then find out, and then we can have this conversation. Right? <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, let's say it was a gay <laughs> bathhouse with, that you just go and get your dick sucked at. Is that like public indecency, or is that No, it's fine? a private place. 
the private establishment. Yeah, like like I actually I don't, I think they tore down Layer to Sod, but yeah, like you go to Layer to Sod, you're fucking in front of people. It's fine. So, but if someone took a photo, I mean, isn't that just kind it's of... It's against the rules yeah. to take photos in those kinds of places. Yeah, it's it's uncouth. It's unseemly. <laughs> mm. She must have just been kind of daft, though, like clueless yeah. if like that was the first time she was like, oh my God, he's gay. Mm. You know, but hey, who knows? Um, one of her friends, Lori Holt, <clears throat> says, we all thought we knew David Tronis. Come to find out what we knew was a facade. He was living a total lie. And so they arrested him and interrogated him. And David uh, recounted what had happened that morning. And he frequently wandered off topic. He finally admitted that they were sleeping in separate areas of the house. They'd been married a year mm. and they're already sleeping in separate areas. His wife was in an apartment in the garage and he was on the couch. Um, instead of going into detail. Who was in the master bedroom then? My God. That I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. <clears throat> I don't know what was happening there. Um, instead of going into detail about how their morning went, um, he said that when she would wake up, she would ask him to sit and talk while he watched her smoke a cigarette. And that was her regular routine. But he never said what she did the day she died. And after hours of dealing with the guy and his complete lack of remorse, this detective here, Teresa Sprague, just had enough. She said, you've fake cried for about seven or eight hours now, not one real tear came out of your eyes. Not one. You fake cried over this woman's death, woman's death since we made contact with you. There's not a lick of remorse for what you did to her. So it sounds like to me that this guy obviously was a fraud, had no money, wasn't even into women. And he found this woman who uh, was apparently kind of wealthy. I mean, if they live in an upscale area in Florida and just was a con artist. Hmm. Um, and I think what ended up happening is she found out that uh, he was having all these gay affairs and that he was penniless. And I bet you he was worried that she was going to divorce him. Mm -hmm. So he just took matters into his own hands. But I think he, th I wonder if he thought because they'd been married for a year that if she died, he would just inherit everything. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it works like that. I mean, I wonder if like the family could fight that. I'm not sure. How could they fight it? Well, if you're married just for a short period of time and she's mm -hmm. murdered suspiciously. Oh, absolutely. They can yeah. fight it. Yeah. I would fight that. But yeah. I mean, what that's what happened with Anna Nicole Smith. That was a fucking decade long legal battle. What know? ended up, what was the, the outcome of that though? Did she end up getting like a percentage, a smaller percentage? I, I think she had to give the family something. Yeah. Hmm. So. Um, the, uh, the detective was saying, didn't her him, lawyer end up going to jail or some shit? And Nicole Smizzler? Howard K. Stern. Yeah. I don't know. Did you never watch the, okay, never mind. No, I remember watching when, uh, yeah. when that trial was on. Um, no, but they, she had a reality show. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think I ever watched that. Okay. Okay. Was yeah. that when she was really fat? I mean, she gained a lot of weight. She wasn't fat. I thought there was a point where that. she gained a lot of weight. She gained and weight. It became just really white trash. She was always really white trash, dude. <laughs> but was it. she like honey boo boo level white trash? No. She was more like Britney Spears. No, white trash. she was. Yeah, she was just like, you know, on all this benzos all the time, you know? 
That's what that's what her deal was. Yeah. So. God, do you think she had sex with that old man? Yeah. I would hope so. I, I mean, Jesus Christ. It's like having sex with a corpse. Okay. She probably just rubbed on him. Um, the detective here said, we suggested the way uh, he described the relationship. It sounded as if he was like her help, like a pool guy or a lawn guy. Um, she asked him if, uh, if his wife had called him a name or belittled him in some way or made him feel less than a man, and if that's why he killed her. And his response was just a smirk. He didn't say anything. I think this guy definitely planned this murder. His uh, the case should go to trial later this year, so we'll see. But I, I think for sure this guy planned a planned a murder. He's just an idiot; couldn't do it right. Mm. Anyway, what do you have here for the second story? Here we go. Okay, so this was sent in by Jen, who said, "Hey D, found this article about a mom dismembering her adult son." I'm not totally convinced she did. Ooh. So. Well, Jen's this, into that true crime. Yeah. Listen to a couple of my favorite murders. Oh, she's a <laughs> professional. <laughs> Say hi to Billy Jensen for me. Uh, <laughs> Donna Shrivel was found guilty of killing and dismembering her son today. Hmm. Is that a Huey yeah. Lewis song? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's not bad. I like that so, tune. It was, uh, yeah, the patriotic anthem. Classic. That we, that we all sang in the summer of 89. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna Scrivo told a jury that a masked man killed her adult son and dismembered his body with a saw last year in her son's condo in St. Clair Shores, which is near... Detroit. Yes, yeah, right next to Detroit, St. Yeah. Clair Shores. <clears throat> so, but the jury didn't believe her. It found the 61-year-old registered nurse guilty of first-degree premeditated murder um, in the gruesome 2014 slaying of her son Ramsey Scrivo Ramsey. after one after one hour and 40 minutes of deliberation. Wow, that was quick. Yeah, it's like a lunch. Yeah. That's like a, <laughs> Usually these things go on for know, months. They're like, no. Nah, they're done like eating their California pizza kitchen. They're like, yeah. all right, so what do you think? <laughs> She's guilty. Yeah. All right. So Scrivo spent about three hours testifying in her own defense for two days. That's not good. It's well, usually not advised. You um, have a <clears throat> she sat emotionless as the uh, verdict was read. So, yeah, in addition to the murder, she was found guilty of um, mutilation of a body and all that all that jazz. Um, she's to be sentenced to life in prison without parole. This was her son, her biological son? Um, I'm assuming so. I wonder yeah. why she would have murdered him. Well, let's see. Um, <clears throat> the judge thanked the jurors, blah, blah, blah. It was a long, it was a two-week-long trial. Um, so during her testimony Monday, um, Donna said she was afraid, which is why she said she didn't tell the more than dozen people she encountered at various locations 
about the man who killed and dismembered her son and was keeping her hostage for five days in 2014. <laughs> so wait, this is kind of like the fugitive. Yes. It was like the man with the, what did he have, like a fucked up arm or missing he was, an arm? He had, yeah, yeah, it was a one-armed man. Yeah, the one-armed man. Yeah. That's who actually murdered her son. Was that, it's like, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Isn't that the scene <laughs> in the tunnel? In the you know? tunnel when he jumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, she was afraid that he would kill her other son, nieces, and other relatives. She said that she did exactly what the man told her to do, having no faith even in the police she spoke with during that five-day time period. Did she describe the man? Was it Slender Man? Like, what did he look like? He had a mask. <laughs> she had a mask on, all right. He was Zorro, I think. Um, Animal mask. <laughs> I trusted the man who was holding the gun to my head, she testified. Um, the cross-examination of the prosecutor had the two sparring at times. Are you done? She asked him at one point during the beginning of the cross-examination. the lawyer? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the lawyer said, oh, I'm just getting started. Ooh. That's what he said. So, um, yeah. Uh, Spitfire. Yeah. Um, testified that a man wearing a mask who knew about her son and family uh, killed her son and cut up his body while she was being held hostage, handcuffed in her bedroom with a scarf in her mouth. Prosecutors claim Ramsey Scrivo was drugged, killed by ligature strangulation, and dumped in a bathtub. Uh, <laughs> well, she could have done that, though. She could have. I mean, she yep. just, like, you know, give him a drink, drug him, wait till he yep. passes out. Yeah. So she's also accused of dismembering his body with a power saw and, and uh, dis, uh, later dumping his remains, some of them charred, in bags across rural St. Clair County. So that's how you do it, though. That is you how know? you do it. That and, is uh, how it's done. But, but she's, all right, she's going to this extent. The, the man with the one arm is like, you got to kill him, and then you got to dismember him, and then you got to go to all these different areas. No, supposedly and she's saying that the man dismembered him and did all that shit. Okay, so she went yeah. out and just disposed of the body parts. This, the prosecutors said that she did all this, and a jury agreed with them, apparently. So, mm. um, yeah, so Scrivo talked softly in a Texas drawl and often sobbed. There were gasps in the courtroom when, the, when Cataldo, the prosecutor, asked Scrivo if she hired this killer to come in. No specific motive for the brutal crime was given. Scrivo testified that she said that, oh, sorry, that's, yeah. Scrivo said she found the man in her son's room and that he made her help him, including carrying the bags with her son's remain out of the home and driving them to St. Clair County. Okay, yeah, so some of that. She testified that she talked with and texted the people hmm. the man told her to talk with and text. She testified <laughs> that she heard sawing but she didn't see her son dismembered. And she testified. The man told her that she would be blamed for her son's death. Five days after killing her son, the man left, telling her to leave the country. Wait, well, okay, wait a second. So five days 
The guy was in her house for five days. Isn't this? I think this is the first season of Fargo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? It sounds like Fargo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that the one? I'm trying to think of. Was that the one? Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton played the psycho. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. good. Actually, I like that. That was great. That show's good. I mean, that my god. Those first two seasons were really good of that. Yeah, it was, or it was really good. Mm. Um. Well, so so this guy tells her to yeah. do this. He's there for five days, and he leaves. He's like, "All right, you're going to be blamed, and you better leave the country." Yep. So now, is she on a quest to prove her innocence, like Harrison Ford? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's why she took the stand. Um, <laughs> and um, at the start of his cross examination, Cataldo asked Scrivo, "You actually want the jury to believe that story?" Yes, Scrivo replied. That's what actually happened, he asked. Yes, sir, she replied. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is horrible. You're right, she said at one point during the cross-examination. I'm not mother of the year. (laughs) I have multiple problems, Scrivo later said during testimony. (laughs) I think I did everything to protect the rest of my family. I did everything he told me to. The man. The man. With a mask. The man with the mask. Yeah. Batman. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Cataldo asked uh, Scrivo if she lied to numerous people that she had contact with during those five days, including the workers at Lowe's, where she bought the saw that was used to cut up her son's body. She said yes, but paused a second when it came to the store workers, whom she told she was doing household projects. Now, chopping up a body isn't a household project, is it? Hmm. Cataldo asked her. During his closing argument, Cataldo told the jury Scrivo's story was fake and isn't true. It doesn't make any sense, he said. It's because Donna Scrivo is the moiderer. But, but does he give her a motive? Like, why would she want to kill the, the, the son? Yes. Yes. Yes, you will. You will hear that. He told the jurors, you either, will, you either believe that or you believe the physical evidence, he said, adding that the saw is what connects her to every element of this case. Cataldo said, mother of the year, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> the judge said that they they couldn't vote guilty upon a suspicion, a possibility. Yeah, we know how these trials work, you assholes. He asked them to think about whether police tracked down all the leads and reiterated that none of Ramsey Scrivo's DNA or blood were found on Donna Scrivo. Hmm. He said his client's 110-pound frame couldn't lift her approximately 235-pound son's body into a bathroom and asked what reason she would have for killing and mutilating him. She would have to be the mo- the stupidest moiterer in the world to behave in such a way unless she was forced. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's the judge, not the, not the, <laughs> not the not country the lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I was watching this, this documentary about Watergate, and there was a senator who actually, I didn't know this was like a real person, he was actually a guy who'd be like, now I'm just a simple country lawyer, <laughs> but now I don't see why we got to, you know, 
And like he was the guy who said that. I forget what his fucking name is though. Um, it almost sounds like inherit the wind or something. Yeah. No. <laughs> what was yeah. that guy's name? Bra- Harrison Brady. Darrow. Yeah. Clarence, Clarence Darrow. Darrow. Yeah. And there was like the Southern Clarence Darrow versus mm-hmm. that Southern lawyer. Forget who played him in the movie. Yeah. And there, and then at one point the other one of some other senators like, yeah, you keep saying that country lawyer shit, but you're like first <laughs> in your class at Harvard law, dude. Come on. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so did did they, so did they actually give a motive of why she'd want to kill her son? No, there's no, uh, we don't know. It's not, it's not explained in this article. There's no motive. Cause that's what I think as a juror, Mm -hmm. I'd want to be like, well, why would she kill her son? Like they should have, they probably gave some, it's probably the articles, uh, left out these details, but there's probably a thing. Maybe it's abusive. Motive means an opportunity, you know, you need, you need, you need to know. Or maybe there was money involved or something. However, Mm. how do you think, I mean, a 110 pound woman could probably drag a 200 pound person into the bathroom. Yeah. It's hard, but you could do it. My yeah, God. I, think, I think so too, and that's why I think it's kind of shit. yeah. You know? Jesus. But it's just it's funny to me that it's like okay, this mysterious masked man came to your house for five days, ordered you to do all this this horrible stuff, and then left. Like that's the flimsiest alibi I think I've ever heard. The prosecution didn't even really offer forth a motive, and I wonder if they even had to. She must have some kind of weird background. Well, she, the thing it's like the thing is, is that like she reported him missing, you know, and like, of course, like she's going to be looked at as, you know, the ma- it's always a family that's looked at first. So, yeah, I mean, they're the, the, the most obvious. And she here. starts telling a story, you know, like when she starts lying, it's like she stitches herself up. So, boom. Yeah. Like, they didn't even need a fucking motive. They're just like, they did it while they were eating their Subway fucking sandwiches, you know? They're done. By the time they're eating their macadamia nut white chocolate chip cookies, they're fucking, they got it all. They're like, it's done. She's guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I love how they're like, yeah. I mean, she was, her alibi with the man with the one arm and the mask was so unconvincing. Not even one juror was just like, yeah, she might not have done it. They were just like, no, let's go. An hour later. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> so is she like, uh, did she get like death penalty or something? They no, do that in Michigan? possibility of parole. Oh, okay. I don't know if they she do does. death penalty in Michigan. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'd like to hear Jen's theory on this. Yes. Being that she doesn't believe she's uh, guilty. Must be that nurse solidarity or something. I don't something. know. Something. Yeah. Uh, people, you can send your story to on podcast gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I was just pleasuring myself to your podcast. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. Want to add some spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com and you'll get 50% off your purchase. Free shipping. 
two adult DVDs and a product so sensual, I cannot even mention it on this podcast. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. Love you boys. Now I'm going to go back to having some fun. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Uh, the first call we have is from uh, Pearl. Pearl calls in with a coronavirus update. All right. Hey, Zaddies. It's Pearl. It's been a little bit, but that's mainly because I was unemployed. I quit the job at Taco Bell. I think, I'm what? pretty sure I told uh, Harrison about this. She quit Taco Bell? She did. Why? I don't remember. I can't remember. Tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I bet you she could. I bet you Pearl can make a mean bean burrito. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the reason why I'm calling is fuck this virus. Okay. I got a new job. I got a new job at a grocery store, which is the worst place that anyone could be working right now because it doubles mm. as a, because my grocery store doubles as a pharmacy, so it's considered a healthcare mandatory open. I ha- it has to be. That shit is essential. So is a grocery store. Yeah, I know. She's got double whammy: mm-hmm. grocery store and a pharmacy. Oh yeah, that's essential. You know, I I was reading that Trader Joe's is hiring right now so they're trying mm-hmm. to say like all these people who can't work in restaurants and you can't be a stripper go work at trader joe's it's like fuck you yeah yeah <laughs> like i'm gonna go fucking work at trader joe's yeah <laughs> whatever which means i have to work but here's the thing i'm in training right and i was supposed to be doing cashier trainings this week well i show up and the, the trainer looks at me and my group and says Corporate demands that all training that's supposed to take 20 hours be condensed to four. And they're expecting me to be able to work with only four hours of training. Fast-tracking people. Yeah. It is kind of crazy right now. I mean, they're like, that's mm. the weird thing about stores. Their stores are like Vaughn's, for example, right up the street. Uh, usually it's 24 hours. It closes at 9 p.m. now. Yep. Trader Joe's closes at 6. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Because there's an employee crisis going on at all the places that have to be open right now because of this fucking virus. Because if they close, they aren't making sales. Then, then, and then if people have to go home, then the shelves aren't being stocked. Like they've stopped background checks at my store, and I'm so fucking mad. I can't run. The fact that they think that they can run like this. Like just hiring people willy nilly and then not give them any training. I understand it's emergency times, but I can't fucking work with four hours of training. God, that really does alarm me. Because mm. now you think you, they're going to be hiring perverts and be sticking pubic hair in your food. I mean, if there's you know no what? screening. Out of sight, out of mind, baby. I guess. Yeah. But still, it's alarming. It's like, don't tell me about it. Don't tell me about the pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my, you know, in my baked goods, and Your also gelato. don't tell me about the uh, the train you ran on the corpse of my mother. <laughs> yeah, you know? just leave those details keep, out. All right. Yeah, keep me out of that. I don't need those. And not only that, I live in you know how Trump says oh, no gatherings more than ten people. Motherfucker, it's a grocery store. There's 200 people in there at any given moment, and that's just employees. 
I'm more than likely going to get this disease and have no idea where I got it from. Call yo, my work. Yo, yo. And Do you know that comedians now have started having OnlyFans pages? What? Why would a comedian need an OnlyFans page? Are they getting it's, naked? Like, is no. Nikki Glaser getting naked? Because no. I'll pay for that. No, it's just people like, please support my comedy. Oh, my God. Fucking, what the fuck? Yep. Wow. So it's like, what are they putting on the OnlyFans? Because I know, like, Ryan Keeley makes a lot of money off of OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. But she's a porn star. So that yeah. makes sense. But it's like, what am I going to pay for something I could find on YouTube? And why would I even look up your comedy on YouTube? That's ridiculous. I'm just saying what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's really know, funny, on though. The street. We yeah. should almost do an intro on that, just making fun of every comedian that has an only fans page. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was, I was actually thinking about, like, how it works and if we could just be like, we demand a show. Here's $100. <laughs> you got to... Do a bit about my grandma, J- Joni, or like, something. Is it like Cameo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What, the 1986 R&B Act? <laughs> yeah, more or less. Oh, the website. Okay, never mind. I don't know what's yeah, but, wrong with me. No, no, that's what I meant. Like yeah. Cameo, the mm-hmm. the website where you pay yeah. them to like give yes. you a plug. I wonder if this would be like, I want some custom comedy. We should just, you know? yeah, like we should, I feel like that would be a worthwhile Patreon investment. Like, I think, I think so Dance too. monkey! <laughs> dance for your master. They have to stay open. It doesn't matter. And so I'm just, I'm just mad. Not only that, but my acrylic nail appointment, the place where I get my nails done, says that they're closing. And so I'm pissed. I really like my nails. I don't want them to go away. Anyway, keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Fuck coronavirus. Wow, Pearl's really ranting there. Mm-hmm. I feel your pain, Pearl. Yeah. I can't get my acrylics done either. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. yeah Harrison can't get his hair cut. Yeah, I'm going to be more. I'm stuck in my house all day. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's fucking mm-hmm. weird. It's very disruptive mm-hmm. uh, to life right now. But yeah, I wonder what would be worse, working at the Taco Bell right now or working at the whatever, Ralph's or... Definitely groceries store. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, God. And you, you have to think about all the people who are coming in there. I mean, there's a, I mean, the, the virus could live on cardboard. So, yeah, she's probably got it. Good thing you're young, Pearl. You're mm-hmm. young, so it's just going to be like a bad flu. Yeah. So you'll, you'll get through it. It's probably uh, no worse than eating things at Taco Bell, so you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it does suck. Feel your pain. Next mm-hmm. call we have here is a call that I actually, I requested this. I don't know if you if you remember, but a few weeks ago, the wad, her, his mom called in and his mom was telling some story about like, but beating homeless people that saw her, saw, I, th- I think some homeless people saw her shaving her vagina. So she beat them or something. Yeah. I forget exactly what happened. Um, and remember she was like, I'm hot. Hey, I'm classy. I'm hot. What do you want? I'll do it. You know, it was very like, mm, yeah. Yeah. I picture it to be kind of like a Linda Hamilton type. Yeah. You know, kind of hot, but yet classy. If Linda Hamilton hung out at at the off track betting parlor for half the the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking Salem's. 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, she she called in because I asked. I was like, "Well, how did you meet the Wad's dad? I want to hear yeah. this meet cute." So Me here, too. here's here's the story of how the yep. Wad's mom met the Wad's dad. Hey guys, it's the Wad's mom. You wanted to know how I met his dad? We both worked in McDonald's. His father closed the store and had keys to everything, like a janitor and a cook and whatever in Fairfax, Virginia. In January 1979, a co of mine said, oh, I know this Arab dude that works nights, and he has some ouzo, and he wants to meet you. He thinks you're beautiful. So we went out partying, and then we went to the McDonald's. In 1979, is that a good job? Like to be a manager of the McDonald's. I think yeah. I think if yeah, if you were if you had a were a manager at a McDonald's in 1979, you got like a house. Yeah, in <laughs> Fairfax, got... Virginia, too. Like he's probably got a car. Yeah. He's got a house, an yeah. above ground pool. Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Wad's dad was there, his name was Khalid. It doesn't matter. He's dead anyhow. Garlic. And college you oh. flirt with me and whatnot. He's like, when can I see you again? la di da da And so after a couple of times, I went back by myself, and we went downstairs in the break room, and he took people's coats off the rack, put them on the ground, and fucked me. <laughs> this is one of the most romantic stories I've wow. ever heard. Yeah. Wow, he like... Fucked on his employees' coats in the break room at the McDonald's. Yeah. Wow, so classy. If you got Uzo, you know, you can... I am not surprised why, you know, the reason she married this man. Yeah. God. Romance to right off her feet. Mm. (laughs) As soon as the motherfucker put it in, he was done. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought I did something wrong. He came so fucking fast. Wow, he's a minute man too. Yeah. Man, this guy's a lady killer. Wait, do you think the wad was conceived in the McDonald's break room? Oh my god. <laughs> so then <clears throat> he ended up getting into the uh grocery store business with his relatives and then we moved to Akron, Ohio and Lottie Dottie and but when he, you wanted to know how he proposed to me is when he met me after he fucked me and came inside of me that quick, he told me he was going to marry me. And then that's what happened, so. Because that's all it takes. Wait, because cause she was pregnant? I don't know. I think he, like, fucked her on the pile of coats oh. on the floor of the break room, but he came inside of her and he was like, yeah. guess I got to marry you now. There's something really inviting about a pile of coats. Yeah. You know? I think so. And like a 40 yeah. something Arabic manager of a McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> fucking you on the coats. I don't think he was 40 something. <laughs> All right. I think he was young at the time. Oh, you think so? You think he's like, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think he was 20s in his 20s. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I guess he probably would have been in his 20s at the time. Yeah. yeah. Come on. And then. Here we are. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I can keep talking forever. I'm sorry that I was so messed up last time on those gummies. 
Um, actually, I'm here at the Wad's daughter's school getting ready to pick her up. Uh, the thing that wasn't very clear was, yes, I did lose my daughter on 3-11-2017, and I have her dog. That's the one that's dry. Wait a second. What? <laughs> did she say 3-11 or 9-11? <laughs> she said 3-11. <laughs> <laughs> wait, she well, lost wait, 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 Before wait, wait. we start laughing about 311, we should probably figure out what she's talking about. Wait, did she lose her daughter at a 311 concert? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tragedy. It's too late, man. You just fucked me up with this. All right? <laughs> I was never a big fan you of know that the thing band. about 311. They've got grassroots. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. guess they do. Yeah. It's the only thing worse than 911, 311. Yeah the pit bull and we just have issues with her um I wait a minute so, i am was so her lost daughter killed by a pit bull at a 311 concert <laughs> not a 311 <laughs> concert she mentioned three okay i'm she said I'm it rewinding was 311 2017 oh wait 311 p.m oh my god it's a date Oh, it's March 11th. Okay, all right, all right. Hey, I mean, it's, it's, it's there's a lot of variables here. I'm rewinding it. Uh, the thing that wasn't very clear was, yes, I did lose my daughter on 3-11-2017, and I have her dog. That's the one that's dry-humping the pit bull. And we just have issues with her. Okay. All right. She lost her daughter on that date. It's not a laughing matter, Harrison. It's your fault. Um, so the Wad's sister is dead? I guess, and the dog is alive, but the dog... Mm. Oh, the dog didn't the kill the dog. daughter. No, the dog didn't kill the oh. daughter. 311 is a date, not a band in this right. story. Okay. So it's complete. We're way off. We're way off. Right. There, yeah. Mm. Um, I think that's about all you want to know. Um, I mean, I could be on here forever. I could tell you stories. I mean, he was so jealous, this Arab dude, that I can still remember when we went out to a bar in Washington, D.C., because we lived in Fairfax. And one of his friends put his arm around me and, and kissed me, and he fucking beat the shit out of me. And so the oh, PTSD whoa. is, you know, from my childhood, and then I lost him. But you know what? My symbol is a butterfly because... Wow, well, I'm really sorry I missed that part. Um, I don't know what, what happened. What? A butter, <laughs> her, butter? her symbol's a butterfly. All right. It, yeah. How how much you want to bet this is going to be a story about the tattoo of a butterfly that she has wherever? Tramp stamp for sure. Guarantee <laughs> <laughs> she's got a butterfly tramp stamp, and it has some kind of symbolic meaning about the Arab guy that she mm. was married to. I hmm. once had sex with a girl that had a um a tattoo of a butterfly on her. Mons pubis. <laughs> did that heighten your arousal or nope. lessen it? I didn't give a shit. Didn't even bother you. I remember I had sex yeah. with a girl who had like, I, I couldn't stand looking at it. Mm -hmm. I'd fuck her from behind. It was a tramp stamp, but it was like a big skull 
smiling, smoking a joint. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. I would put my hands over it while I was fucking her, so I didn't have to look at it. No, I, I, same thing. I had a girlfriend. She had, I don't even know, like a scene from Alice in Wonderland, like on her back, you know, uh, tramp stamp, but like pretty big too. Yeah. I think it was the caterpillar. I don't even know what it was. It was something like that, but it was one of the illustrations from the thing. And all I could think of is if I'm like fucking her from behind, it's like the walrus and the carpenter <laughs> with walking one by one or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah, it's just distracting. I don't, I don't even yeah. know. Well, thank you, Wad's mom. I am not surprised at all that uh, she had sex with him in the in the break room of the McDonald's because that's how that guy rolled. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it sounds like it. I just what I want to know was the Wad conceived in that break room, and what that means for humanity. You know, I, I had know. a couch in in Brooklyn. I had a, I lived in this apartment in Brooklyn for. Uh, I don't know, five or six years. Three hmm. babies were conceived on that couch. Whoa, any of them yours? One of them. Wow. Yep. Three, Three babies, babies conceived on that couch. I would have um, gotten rid of that couch. Two Some other friends omen. of mine. Yeah, two wow. other friends of mine had uh, conceived children on that couch. Oh, okay. So people were actually fucking on the couch. It wasn't just yeah. covered in so much spunk that if a woman sat down on it, <laughs> just if a woman in estrus sat down on it, suddenly yeah. she was fertilized. Yep. That's what happens in my brother's apartment. Mm. You don't want to sit on his couch if you're a woman. Good God. I don't think that that seldom happens. So mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, Wad's mom, for that meet cute story. It was uh, mm. quite romantic. It, it's almost the same, I believe, it's the same plot as Notting Hill with Hugh Grant. That's true, yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but just as romantic. Uh, the, the last story we have, or it's not the last call we have, the last call we have here is from FM, who's mm. asking for our advice. Because we give good advice. We do. We're a great place to come to. If you want, like, no judgment, no bias, mm -hmm. you just want unbiased advice, we're, this is where you come. That's right. Right here, sick and wrong. Uh, hello. Uh, this is hello. FM. Mm. And I was going to do a story or a question uh, about one of the situations that I would normally put myself in, but I figured I would actually ask you for some 100% legitimized advice. I have 100% what? Uh, a relative. Virginized advice or something? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he just yeah. wants 100% something advice. Mm, okay. Who I've helped take care of. I never really mentioned him on this call or any other calls. He's kind of slow. Slow meaning he's not been majorly part of everyday life, abusive family, and that he's had some mental problems. He, not all of his cards are in the deck. And we have had some experiences where we took... So is this like a rotundo family member of FM? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what it sounds like. And his family, or took him away from his family, and uh, uh, we, we, we cleaned him up. Okay. FM stole a rotundo from another person's family and then bathed them? <sighs> He's in their family, however, <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> he cleaned them up. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
He made him like uh, opposite of opposite of unkempt kempt, I guess. Is that and movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy? Trading, trading places. places. Yeah, it's like trading places. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So wait, were they making a bet as to how this person <laughs> would turn out? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what people do in like you know the working class uh, corners of Pennsylvania. They make uh, wagers. They make gentlemanly wagers. <laughs> I wonder yeah. what what he did. Like, did he pull up in like his? Mm. I don't know. What is he driving? Like a fucking Toyota Corolla, Trans Am, a two thousand yeah. Toyota Corolla, and he pull yeah. up and was just like, mm. you remember? Remember how in trading places he pulls mm. up in that that limo? The two old guys they're like, we got whiskey. Yeah, and then he was <laughs> like, all right, what did mm. FM do? It's like mm. we got a shiny yo yo. Mm. Pretend <laughs> just jumps in the Corolla. Yep, that's how it happens. Just gave him actual clothes and shoes, and it, it was a wonderful experience. Even had him during one of the Christmas uh, during the Christmas party that just recently occurred. And wait a minute, is this an actual asking, member of the family, or is this some I, kind of like honorary member of the family? Isn't he's not an? I don't think he's a blood relative. I think okay. they adopted a rotundo mm -hmm. from a different family. I see. Took them into the fold. Got it. Allowed them to uh, take part in their weird Christmas rituals that they do. Sure. And, uh, and then he kind of became an honorary member of the family of the FM household. Mm. About him, we're calling about him, is that recently we got into a very disastrous situation where he, without our prior knowledge, had gotten into a relationship with a girl who looked old, who looked perfectly adult, and honestly looked older for her actual age which oh boy oh no <laughs> see where yeah, this boy. is going wow this is not gonna oh, be good man. wow okay Whenever you have to make this preamble shit's not going right when you have to preface it like well she wore yeah. lipstick and you know yeah. she looked like she was 18 we didn't know she was seven yeah sadly we found out was only about 15 uh, uh, years old. Ooh, how old's the rotunda? The major issue that I have is that the girl's father waits until he is 18 years old, maybe uh, the, the, a few days after his uh, a birthday, to basically hem him up. And uh, uh, any, uh, I oh, I see. So he was 17, and she was 15. Yeah. And he let it happen See, until yeah. he became an adult. See, a lot of states have a thing, have things called Romeo the laws. Romeo law. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Pennsylvania does, but a lot of states, so that, that kind of shit doesn't happen anymore. Hey, you'd think this would be covered under this. Yeah. But. There's an um, Armand Schaubrock song about this. Yeah. Hmm. We know exactly what we have to do, at least to a point, to show his like diminished mental capacity, go to like a DA or a justice and try and argue the point of he's not, uh, he wasn't in the right mind, his father was kind of malicious, and that the, that the girl didn't disclose an age, but I was... Yeah, hold on for a second, all right? <laughs> when I was 17, I couldn't get none. All right. I couldn't get none. Yeah, but think about it. 
This guy's rotundo. He probably didn't have your standards. It's okay. Pennsylvania. All and right. They live in rural Pennsylvania, like in a. No, it's not rural. Not like. It's like a. It's but... not Lancaster <laughs> County. It's not fucking Amish country. Witness, you know. It's like Deer Hunter. Oh, you it's know, like it's like deer those towns hunter. where all the houses are close together and signs are in Russian sometimes and whatever. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking this 15 year old wasn't too attractive. Okay, right. fair enough. But still. Yeah. Let's get what some can ass. I do to be there for him? in more of an emotional sense. Because the idea that uh, leaving him, the idea of me being, and leaving him out uh, to dry effectively, ah, oh, dang it, I, I gotta give a part two for this. <laughs> you know, he feels, he sounds genuinely disappointed that he has to call back for a part two. Mm. <laughs> all right, that's, that's okay, FM, it's all, yeah. it's all good. Uh, hello, FM again for the part two of the question that I was asking. I want to try and figure out how I can be there for him, not in a legal sense, because I know what to do, but I, 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 I want to try and figure out how to be there for him more emotionally. I'm, I'm... Write him a song. <laughs> I think that's what FM should do. Just get like a guitar yeah. and just write a song, you know? Hmm. If you or if if you, D or Harrison, have been in a similar scenario, but it's the idea that I'm my 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 chest hurts when I think what? about the. Idea. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> his chest hurts. His mind chest hurts. Is that, I, does it sound like he said his mind chest hurts? I think he meant my chest hurts. Okay, okay. Is right. I think what he, but yeah. is he asking us if we've been in a similar situation where like. Uh, retarded. His chest hurts though if he doesn't know like which deodorant to buy. So I don't know if that's you know. <laughs> but I mean, I, what what is the situation like? We had a rotundo family member <laughs> who ends up like you know having like committing statutory rape, and then we feel bad about it. All right, all right. Let's say you have a friend in an unfortunate um, romantic and legal situation. Let's say okay. Let, here's how we. Here's how I can. Some do this into something we can relate to. A friend of ours is going through a divorce. Well, I could see that. Okay. But I mean, a divorce That's, with a fifteen-year-old. Forget about that for a second, okay? Forget about divorce with a fifteen-year-old for a second. And this is a seventeen-year-old who was like, you know, a teenager banging another teenager. Who is one of them's a rotundo? Possibly both of them. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's in legal trouble. He's having a lot of trouble. And you want right? to be supportive. So, yeah, you want to be supportive. It, in, in adult terms, in, in the people who are over 40 or 40, one is one who is over 40 and one who is 40. Um, the thing to relate it to is divorce. Okay. Because we're not going to be there legally for somebody. But, you know, we could try to be there as friends. We'll fail. We won't do it right, but we could try. You know what it actually reminds me of a mm. similar situation is when my friend was, mm. uh, I guess, indicted for murdering his child. 
<laughs> remember that and it was just kind of like i forget like, you do have a situation yeah and, exactly and this, i mean yeah. i had known this guy for a good four or five years at that point he was my boss for three years how did he murder his child well he said that he was bathing the kid and the kid slipped out of his hands and hit his head on the bathtub mm-hmm. the courts say that he took the kid and slammed it against the wall mm. and he was i mean he was a good guy. He had other kids. I mean, he had other kids and I mean, as a stay at home dad, I've known him for a long time. I'd find it way out of character for him to do that, but he was a quiet type. One of those really quiet, calm people. Mm. And those people are always the people that snap. They are. So I don't know, but I was still trying to be supportive, even though it was kind of weird. Cause you're just like, God, maybe my friend is a child killer. Right. You know, who knows? It is weird. It's kind of like, I feel like, especially when you're close with somebody, there's a bit of cognitive dissonance that goes on. See, that's a maybe I feel like you could just walk away from. Would you, but would you, if it you was know, a, 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 you know, a friend of yours, someone who you hung out with semi-regularly, would you just be like, yeah, I'm not going to get involved with this one? Yeah, honestly, I would make a deci- I would make a thing if I, if I believed him or not. If I didn't believe, if I wasn't sure, if I didn't believe him, I'd be like, fuck this. But if yeah. I honestly believed him, I would 100% back his shit. I kind of feel, though, in this case, in FM's case, this kid was 17. She's 15. They probably had already been having sex when he was like, you know, well, she might have been 14 and 16. But anyway, they're both under 18. And so I feel yeah. like with under a Romeo law, this would have been uh, permissible. The best thing, yeah. I mean, basically, you just got to hang out with the guy. That's it. That's all you yeah. got to do. That's all you Just hang do. out with the guy because there's probably other people who are like, I don't want anything to do with you, you know. Um, he's I mean, a rotunda, my God, though. If he has I to mean... do time, like, forget it. Yeah, but he's a rotunda. I don't know what Buy the prison system is like is in Pennsylvania, but I'm sure it ain't great. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's not. It's one of the ones that's not good on the East Coast. I know that much. Yeah. Um, so, but let's let's see what FM wants okay. to do here. That he this might end up if the if the DA or judge whoever is presiding over whether or not to prosecute him is utterly malicious and will end up with this uh, person who already is going to have not the best lot in life be on a list of people and I want to try and see what I could do for him more than just like a cheer up bucko pat on the back. <laughs> Cheer up, bucko. You're just being accused of raping a child. I think there's what do you get for that? that, A cookie puss, right? You go to Carvel, you get the cookie puss? Or do you get Fudgy the Whale? What do you get in that circumstance? Cheer up, bucko. You're a sex offender. You're a sex offender. Here's a cookie puss. It's all good. It gets better. This this has been a tumultuous year, and I'm already going through a lot of miniature different things, and it's been positive, but there's so many, so many things that I'm out of my depth on. He, I've done a whole bunch of things with him. I have, I've treated him like he's my own brother, and the idea that I can't, I can't just make this go away from him, it's eating me inside, and then, then, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a, it's a, something that breaks me. It, it really, really breaks me. 
And if there's any advice you could give, any outside perspective that is just in my 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 busted head about how I could at least take the edge off of him. He feels betrayed, he feels hurt, and I I wish I could be there for him a hundred percent, but I'm I'm barely acting like I'm 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 uh, I'm thirty percent there. Anything that you could say that can at least give me a different way of looking at it or approaching it would be wonderful to be able to at least make him feel better in this potentially irrevocable situation that we've that he's gotten himself in. That's hmm. some his fault and some our fault and some the dad's fault for letting it happen for so long without doing anything. Wait now, how long was this happening? Is it, he said like the dad waited till he was 18. So it might have been going on for yeah, a couple of years. Why is it the dad's fault for wait? I don't know. I mean, well, I think he's upset yeah. that the dad waited till he's 18. So he's like, I'm calling the police right now because now you're getting busted. Whereas before, he couldn't have really done anything about it. Why, why didn't he just stop it? You know? Pennsylvania is a fucked up city. You ever see car, was it, Cars for Kids? No, that's a commercial. No, that's a terrible uh, commercial. Yeah, yeah. No, Cash for Kids. I don't know if I've ever seen that. What is that? It, is that a movie? It's a good documentary. It's just about this this like judge who is a juvie judge who like whenever he got any kid, he'd send them to juvie. He'd be like, oh, it's like this kid like didn't want to go to school one day. You're going to juvie for like two years. <laughs> Jesus. And, and then it was like he actually like it was a private, um, privately run, you know, juvenile prison. And he actually was like an investor in it and was was like getting kicked back. Oh, so he was like, making money from it, like Jeff yeah. Sessions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> and he ended up actually going to prison for a long time at the end of the day. Yeah, I didn't mean to spoil it, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a fucked up state, man, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that is kind of weird. I wonder what the AOC is in Pennsylvania. The Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That's, that's what I call the age of consent. The okay. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez law. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wonder what I wonder what it is. Is it like fifteen there or sixteen? It's got to be like at least sixteen. Probably younger in Pennsylvania. Um, oh, in Pennsylvania, it's hard for me to believe that the age of consent is eighteen in Pennsylvania. You know, no way. I think it, it has to be, or else this story makes no sense, bruh. I'm looking this up right now. Okay. 16 years old in Pennsylvania. Well, how is he in trouble? Wait. Nobody 15 years of age or younger can legally consent. Oh, so, oh I thought, okay. All yeah, right. so it's the legal age of consent 16. So this oh, guy, the rotundo, okay. was boning her. You could fuck 16-year-olds? I think you My could God. fuck 16-year-olds in a lot of states. Jesus Christ. A lot of the uh, red states in this country. <laughs> um, anyway, a little bit left here before we uh, impart our, our mm. wise opinions here. Which to me just seems kind of malicious, but that's really all I can say. And but keep it sick and keep it long. And I hope you can give me something. And I thank you for giving me the chance to ask for your response. FM, you've came to the right place. We'll give you some clarity on how to deal with this issue. I think the first thing is don't hang out with this guy at a roller rink. That's the That's first right. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, honestly, it's the like second, the second <laughs> thing is pry the fucking 
nails out of your hands and feet and climb down <laughs> off the fucking cross also. That's my second bit of The thing is, though, it's not like, I mean, if the kid was under 10, I would be like, all right, fuck the guy. You know, mm. don't, I wouldn't even deal with him. I would just cut your losses there. And, but, and, 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 and by the way, I say this as an adopted child. That does have kind of a, a an extra little bonus where it's like it's easier to walk away. From <laughs> yeah, if they're not a blood relative. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like this this girl is 15. She's, you know, a few months away from being able to legally give her consent, and he was under 18. So I don't personally think that, you know, they're really gonna throw the book it's at a, this kid. It's bullshit. Yeah, I think it's I mean, bullshit too. I mean, for God's sakes, if he doesn't, ha- if he has a court-appointed attorney, I know you can't help him legally, but if you really care about this motherfucker, Jesus Christ, get him a couple thousand grand or something. Give him, you know, just anything. go find the My local God, Jewish you lawyer. Get, You'll be all you know, right. Yeah, three grand, you could probably find a decent, uh, better that way better than the goddamn court-appointed attorney in Pennsylvania. Jesus Christ. And all they're going to do is argue that, <sighs> that you know, the, the, the kid was like a few months away, you know, so close in age, it's not that big of a deal. He'll probably get on probation. So what I would do is I would just give him support. I don't know if him being re- uh, rotundo has any fucking bearing on anything, to be well, honest. I wonder if you're rotundo, though, if you're unable to make the judgment call that she sh- you shouldn't be having sex with her. Yeah, but you know? that that would mean like if fucking Boo Radley or Lenny from Of Mice and Men went around raping everybody, <laughs> they'd be like, "Well, there's nothing we can do. He doesn't know right from wrong." <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like this was a consensual sexual encounter. It does. I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- I think what you just need to do, FM, is just be supportive. Um, maybe you know, buy him a pack of Good and Plenty's. I think Rotundo's like that. And uh, <laughs> just let him know that, uh, you know, you're there for him. And that he really didn't do anything that wrong. I mean, yeah. if he was much older, if he was in his 20s, then I'd be like, all right, that's a little weird. And if she was even younger than 15, I'd be like, all right, that's a, that's a, and, and he was older than 18, I'd be like, that's a little weird. But I feel like they're both underage when they started having sex. So it sounds like, you know, it's, not that big of a deal. I think he, he should be lucky that he didn't knock her up because then there'd be a whole other world of problems to deal with. Right. You know? Um, well, <clears throat> yeah. I know. What do you think? Well, um, <clears throat> I, I, I think I understand where FM is coming from because I am a person where I tend to like, I tend to, you know, take other people's burdens onto my own. Hmm. There's a um, what is the term? For it's that? some kind of witch doctor. It's like a sin eater or something. It it it's like an old colonial thing. It's like a it takes other people's sins onto itself. It's like you pay money for that. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And and I you know especially like I remember after I got out of rehab, it's just like all these people were like fucking always on the verge of dying, and I'm driving around town like, oh my god, I didn't. You know, I left this person alone in their own apartment and and now they're drunk and I think they're going to die, you know, and it's all my fault. Like, <laughs> I, you know, that's how I that's how I am. You know, when that fucking guy I shared a table with at Comic-Con 
fucking killed his girlfriend, I was like blaming myself because I was like, I could have killed him. If only I had known <laughs> six months earlier, I could have just poisoned his drink and murdered him. And then she's, you know, vigilante justice. Yeah. Like precog vigilante justice, mm -hmm. baby. But, yeah. um, you know, like you can't do that because it's stupid. And, um, yeah, all you could do is like, look, if you're a good friend, you like, <clears throat> you hang out with him when you can, if you want to be a, like a really good friend, you take all the initiative and you're like, cause th this is like what some of the better friends and relatives of mine do, um, is like, even if I'm like secluding myself and like, I'm uh, secluding, I'm in the West wing, you know, they're like, they'll be like, they'll fucking roll through regardless and be like, yo, let's, you know, what the fuck is up? And, and sometimes that is a good thing to do. Sometimes you do need to break people's boundaries and be like, you know what? You're real sad about this shit, but let's come on. Let's go to build a bear. No, you shouldn't go to build a bear. <laughs> let's go to, you know, whatever. You know, know. The, you know what he let's probably see the invisible man. You know what he you. probably should do? Yeah. Maybe start a GoFundMe so you can hire a Jewish lawyer. Yes. Because this guy That's... shouldn't be using a court appointed attorney. No, please. Yeah. Please uh, have the name. Have Berg or Man or, or something, Steen or something uh, in there. Stein, yeah. yeah, you know, it's My like God. You yeah. definitely want to get your your buddy a lawyer here, because yeah. I, I think honestly he'll get probation. Because I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think there's yeah. like a real. I mean, the thing is, he rate. wants to, he wants to get off the he wants to not do time and he wants to not be on the registry. On the registry, yeah. So it's like if he like if he has to like fucking hawk his own fucking soul to get three thousand dollars he's gonna want to do that okay it's it's worth like it. my worth god effort. yeah for the love of christ people people don't know this when they get in trouble the first time in their life but like yeah you want to pay money for a lawyer whatever it takes i mean know? it sucks that you're basically throwing the money away but it's necessary because you see what happens when people represent yeah. themselves yeah, and, and good. it ain't that much better when you have a court-appointed attorney. So yeah. <laughs> I speak from experience. So I and, think, yeah, but um, also one other thing is that like, and also, but it's like at the same time, you can't change other people. You can't be responsible for other people. Like, I don't know how many times have I had friend who has an addiction, and it's like you can't, you can't be like. You can't really do an intervention on somebody like, hey, man, you've got a problem. It's time for you to blah, blah, blah. Because it's like if they're not hearing that, then they're yeah. not hearing that. Well, if they're like, not willing they to help to themselves. Be, if they yeah. come to you and you're like, help me fucking do this shit, then you fucking better step up. But like you can't do anything like you can't make anybody do anything. You can't really, you know, so you're. You know, Moses did all the heavy lifting, man. You don't got to do it, all right? <laughs> but Christ. FM, I think in the end, be supportive. Try mm. to get him a Jewish lawyer. He'll That's be all right. right. Uh, people call Sigron Hotline, 323-522-4032. We did get one email to our mm. Gmail account, sigronpodcastgmail.com. This came in from D. Uh, she, wrote, she writes, hey, D and Harrison, listening to your COVID episode, and you were discussing the woman who asked men to kill her ex- <clears throat> Then we're talking about things that happened to you after sex. I was once having sex with a Lithuanian guy from work who I hardly knew, parentheses, classy, 
And when we finished, he was laying on me with his dick still inside. And after a long pause, he just goes, are you scared to die? (laughs) (laughs) This is a great email, yeah. She says, what the fuck? I was thinking Mm. like, is this little foreign guy about to kill me? Nobody knew where I was, and this fling was private. Luckily, I was fine. He was a prick, but we kept <laughs> fucking despite him having a tiny dick. He made up with it for stamina, so all good. I always ask women after, after sex, I always go, have you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> <laughs> was that in the mouth of madness? Yeah. Well, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great movie. Have you read Sutter Kane? Yeah. <laughs> do you keep your dick like inside of them or do you pull out and ask? It's like uh, while I'm in the process. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that they're just laying, you know, post-coital bliss. Hmm. Dick still inside. Are you scared to die? It's crazy. It um, would be great if he did that and then did the like he had a little mini orgasm left in him <laughs> and did the little like trying to gyrating like oh, 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 oh. maybe he meant die in the Shakespearean sense. You know? No, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's what they used to say an orgasm was to die. Oh, a little death. A little death, yeah. The petite mort. The petite mort. Maybe that's what he was referring to. He was okay. a romantic. Uh, she said, still freaks me out to think about all this, to be honest. Hope you're well. Love you long time. Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Love, D from Southeast England. Mm. Well, thank you, D. That is some weird, that is a weird phrase to utter post-coitus. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should get some other, throw that out there. If people want to call in with some, some weird post-coital incidents, you're more than welcome to. It's one of those things. It's like, you know, you're like, uh oh, I might be murdered, but it's also kind of a turn on. Yeah, it's also kind of hot. It yeah. Is. Uh, people, best way to support the show is by becoming a sick and wrong patron. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Right now, you're all working from home. Half of you are unemployed. You're bored. What better, what, what better thing to do with your time than to get more content from us, from me and Harrison? Just go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. You get an extra story, you get some extra phone calls, you get our outtakes, hours of outtakes. Uh, I think this week, yeah, we were talking Mm. about Joe Exotic songs from the documentary. Um, There's a major reveal there, people. Don't mean to spoil it for you, but he didn't Mm. write those songs. Mm -mm. You'll find out who did. Just go to patreon.com slash sickandwrong. It was I! It was Harrison. Harrison did it. Uh, but thank you for donating the show. We do appreciate you, uh, um, you know, supporting us, and it definitely keeps it going. Also, when you when you sign up, if you notice, I'm only say this one more time because it pisses me off to no end when people fucking email me on Facebook saying, "How do you get the Discord link?" <laughs> you sign up to Patreon. Sign up. Just go on there. Sign up. First pin post. It's at the top of the page. The first thing is that is that Discord link. I don't understand why people can't find it. I don't know. I don't get it either. But anyway, I, I, uh, getting. I mean, one thing with this COVID, I've been uh, getting uh, my video backlog and getting through it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You've been posting a lot. Did you post a video of uh, Schlitzy, Jizzy Jake, and you? Yeah, the episode. I forgot I even had video of that. 
I was so fucked up that day. I had forgotten we even, and I don't know how we managed to actually do that because you and I tried to do that last week and just failed. Yeah, we couldn't even do it. Yeah, huh. so good God. But anyway, we're, we're posting a lot of content there now, especially because we're just working from home, bored in our yeah. quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, sick wrong song of the week. We're going we're gonna to end the show with a Harrison pick here, a band called The Godfathers. The song, called, the song is called Birth School work and death what is the significance of the song here harrison for some reason i just started to think about it when you were talking about karen greenlee and her just like rubbing her vagina on a corpse yeah just just sort of <laughs> clit you know just sort of clit fondling a, an old fucking cadaver you just know rigor mortis yeah. set of testicles <laughs> i don't know i just started thinking about this song <laughs> I, I can see the connection. I can see the nexus yeah. there. Makes uh-huh. sense. Good, yeah. good song, though. I like them. Yeah. The 80s band, right? Yeah. Um, the Godfathers, Birth School, Work and Death. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 733. Till then, stay healthy. Take a sleazy. I don't ask me why I wanna 
Not. 